Right now, they, they recently, on January 17th, um, passed the Compact Act. Um, and with the PACT Act, I'm from, I, I'm the presumptive. Uh, they're looking at those that got cancer first and they're trying to, so if in an individual got cancer that was related to um, the burn, burn pits, pits, they're burn trying pits. to hurry up and get those ones processed and help those guys out. It just kind of depends on the soldier and what route they're taking. Because if they have individuals like myself or someone else behind them that we can help them navigate the roles in the maze of the VA system, then we can kind of help pinpoint them in the right direction so that they can get help faster. But if they're being, if you're stubborn and you're like, oh, I'm, you know, then you're not going to get too far. You're going to have to go through a whole lot of hoops to jump through in order to get to where you're trying to go. Battleline podcast. And I'm actually really excited for this episode with Casey Kennedy because I think so many people in life are going through different obstacles. And just through my short talk that I had with Casey, she is someone who really yeah. uh, personifies that that spirit of just perseverance. And I'm excited for this. Yeah, it should be. Should be. Is Kate, Kate Nebraska? Is that yes. right? Yeah. Nebraska that's, National that, Guard. She's yeah, uh, so, she, she served. Yeah. Up yeah so so the, there's a, you know, there's a tie in there. I'm, I'm just trying to think, man, did I, do I, I wonder if I know her just because well, she's going to be going to an event. She's going to be seeing you at an event, but, but no, I don't think she's ever met you. So we've ever, we've like ever crossed paths. Just not that I ever served. I was just from living in Nebraska and knowing a lot, have a lot of friends with the Nebraska National Guard. I, you know, you just, you, it's a small world. So you just never know. You cross paths, but yeah, it's going to be cool having her on. And, and, um, yeah, I, I I think hopefully she'll she'll open up and and talk about what happened because I do think you know anytime you have an injury and an injury of monumental, as monumental as hers and especially after service because you expect to get you know it's like uh, when you go in the service you expect to get injured not that you want to but you you know it's a possibility <laughs> whether you're deploying or not and then when you get out it, it, at least this is how I felt. It's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm good now. You know, my nine lives, I got them all. I got eight left. So, or I got one left or whatever it is. And then you get injured when you're out of the service and it's, it's kind of a shock to the system because you're not expecting it because I'm done, I'm safe. But then that service ties in of how to persevere because you have to learn how to persevere when you're in the service, whether you're special operations or not, you have to persevere just to get through basic training. I know we always say it's tougher back then, but basic training is still tough, regardless of where you're going through. And it's a new to everybody because you've never done it before, unless you've done it twice like me, because you're because you're an idiot like me. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that's the thing is, is that that's when the military training or the military learning that you got uh, from mentors and great people in the military either kick in or they don't. And it sounded like they kicked in because she persevered and she's, she's successful. Well, she's, she's getting through, but she's successful. My, she's successful. So, oh, she is definitely. Yeah. And and she's a fan and I'm excited yeah. for it. Uh, so before we get to everything, man, I love that mellow blend latte from Ned tastes great. Yeah. You sleep great. Everything about it is excellent. So 70 million Americans have chronic sleep issues and 50% of Americans deal with sleep deprivation. You've probably dealt with it at some point in your life. We all do. So one of our favorite brands, Ned, is here to help with this incredible new product, Shut Eye Chai. It's inspired by 5,000 years of ancient healing tradition, and it's Ned's biggest product launch to date. It's a mellow super blend latte for sleep that combines adaptogens, aminos, functional mushrooms, and magnesium 
Stadium. Seriously, the best ingredients out there wrapped in a heavenly masala chai inspired spiced body. Tastes great. Think cinnamon, clove, ginger, all that great stuff. It's all natural, made exclusively from uh, functional botanicals, fungi, herbs, plants, minerals, roots, and spices. Full transparency, Ned shares third-party lab reports, just like with their CBD of who farms their products and their extraction process. But with the shut-eye chai, this does not contain CBD, nor caffeine, melatonin, or dairy. So Ned products help all of us, uh, Chris and myself, and everyone who's really perform better and be alert during these great interviews with guests like Casey Kennedy. So check it out. Discover how Shut-Eye Chai can revolutionize your sleep and get 15% off with the discount code BATTLELINE. You guys are going to get great sleep with this. So go to helloned.com slash BATTLELINE or enter BATTLELINE at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash BATTLELINE to get 15% off. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dead for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on Battle Line podcast. And uh, by the time you'll be hearing this, you probably just watched Super Bowl because Super Bowl Sunday was yesterday. We're recording this on a Friday. So uh, I'm sure you're hoping the Chiefs win. Just I, I do. Not that I'm a, the area. Yeah, not that I'm a big Chiefs fan, but when you're, I live in Kansas. So yeah. And I do, I think we talked about the old, old Neil on the other show as well. Um, I like the old school coaches. I like old school, the old school football. I like, and Andy Reid, he's old school. Granted, when he was old school, he was with the Philadelphia Eagles and me being a Dallas Cowboys fan, I wasn't a big fan of Andy Reid back then too. But now, you know, him with the Chiefs, I just like to see the old school guys in there and doing what they've done for years. And it just reminds me of old school football growing up. And that's why I still love, even though I'm not a, I hate the politics that athletes want to get into now. I wish they would stay out of it. But I still like watching NFL football and college football because it reminds me of the good, you know, growing up, watching with my father, playing college football, being immersed in football for pretty much the first third of my life. And uh, watching Andy Reid just brings back memories of me watching football with my dad, you know, in the living room and 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 just, you know, having good old days back in the good old days. And so, yeah, I hope I hope the Chiefs win. Though. I do really do. I'd like to see them win. 
and you guys will know who won by the time you hear this, but uh, and I should mention here, I mean, the background music that you just heard, which is performed by Jimmy Allen, he's a Kansas big Chiefs C- fan. Yeah. And he's so, Kansas City. He lives right yeah, in Kansas, Kansas City. Kansas City yeah. native, still lives right by the airport. Um, and then I always think of uh, Richard Christie from the Howard Stern Show, who's probably the most famous guy from Fort Scott, Kansas, who <laughs> grew up uh, loving the Chiefs. And yeah. it's funny because when I drove around Fort Scott, Kansas, I see all the landmarks that he talked about growing up with, like, Tico Taco, which is no longer there, but you can see signs. You can see this. Right? It's well, it's still the store's still there. It still says yeah. Tico Taco on the on the building right by the VFW. Yes, it's still there. He's probably man. the most famous guy from Fort Scott, Kansas, though, I would say. And then he's not just from yeah. the Howard Stern show for people who don't know. He was also the drummer for Death. He was the drummer for Iced Earth, like phenomenal drummer and one of the biggest chiefs. I didn't fans. I didn't know he was from Fort Scott. I didn't yeah, know that, that till you just said. I had no. I didn't know that. I think no, I, I was like, "Holy shit!" You. you probably did, but you know yeah. me. I don't listen. I don't listen to a damn thing you say. And so fuck. But <laughs> no, that's cool. I did. That's cool because I didn't know that till you just. I, or if I did, okay, let's. I just remembered that then. Or <laughs> reminded me. No, that's really cool to know. I, I was like, "Holy shit!" I didn't know that. That's awesome. I'm gonna go by, drive by Tico Taco again. Actually, you know what? I'll go drive by Tico Taco and I'll take a picture standing right in front of it. We should we nice. need to post we need to post that on the on the podcast page. Yeah, yeah. I'll put that up. Yeah. There's a, you can probably find it. Like I think it was the last time the Chiefs won. He he put up a video of him in all his Chiefs gear doing the drums from uh, Tom Sawyer by Rush, and and he kills it. Like he's truly really? one of the best drummers drummers you'll ever hear. Wow, that's and that's pretty much if you're comparing him is it to is it Neil Neil, Neil Peart? Yeah. Oh man, to Rush. I mean, come Rest on, that's peace. that's like yeah, that's like setting a. That's like the standard of rock drummers is is Neil Peart oh, yeah. and Rush. So if you're comparing him, to, yeah, well, he is that good though. So you can't compare him to Neil Peart because I'll I'll send it to you and and you'll dig it. And it's in his Chiefs gear. He he's yeah. great. So I don't I have no idea if Richard Christie would be listening, but if you are, <laughs> shout out to Richard Christie. Yeah, hey man, get on <laughs> you man, go Chiefs, brother. Yeah, he'd be cool to get on. I like when I worked yeah. at Sears. Very nice guy. Um. A really quick bit of news in my life, uh, you know, for those of you who watch uh, visually, this is the last time I'll be broadcasting from this space. I abruptly have to move out of Connecticut due to like sound issues, but truthfully, my my lease was up and I was going to leave in the next couple of months anyway. Um, so I'll be back at my parents temporarily like I was before, and then we'll see where we go from there. Maybe Florida, but it's funny. You guys have been with us for three years and it's like, You've seen Chris move from Nebraska to Kansas City. You've yeah. seen me move from one part of Long Island back to my parents during COVID here, back there, and it's going to be another move. So, you know, it's just it's the way it goes sometimes. Get to Florida, dude. I'm telling you. Just go to Florida. <laughs> just go to Florida. I want and get, to. I get do it love over this, this space, though. I have to say, like, uh, in terms of not not the apartment as a whole, but like this recording space, I've really dug, and it's, it's uh, definitely it been of great use this past year. Yeah, yeah I mean, the sound here is super quiet and during the day it's super quiet. So I just need to find another place where I could do that. And, um, but truthfully, I I'm always honest with this audience. I mean, it'll be nice to save some money for a couple months rent, whether you're in New York or Connecticut is extravagant. And then on top of that, I mean, I was, <laughs> no. I was producing, um, uh, Deneen and Tom Borelli's podcast and congratulations to, to Deneen. She's now a Newsmax contributor, along with her husband, but because of that, they can no longer do the podcast. And it's like, that was another source of income coming in for me. So, you know, it'll probably be nice to have a couple of months where I don't have to worry about that stuff. Not that I don't have money saved up, but also I like watching Islander games with my dad, hanging out with my my parents and doing cool stuff. And 
you know, in the next few months, it'll be another move. Oh, well, you just have to become a, is it Sharks? You have to become a Sharks fan. Is that, or is it the Panthers? Is it Where? The oh, if I, it, if well, if I, would move to, I would move to South Florida. So I would be, I would be lightning, but I'm not going to not be an Islander fan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, all right. I just checked. I couldn't remember which hockey team was down there. Man. Yeah. Well, it would be the Panthers if I was, Panthers. um, if I was further up north. Oh, north. Florida. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. like the yeah Jacksonville area. But, um, yeah. With that, man, uh, the only other stuff I really wanted to get to here, you know, there's no such thing as a, as a slow news day, but the past few weeks, we've had to cover some major news. I mean, uh, there was just a lot of foreign policy and military related stuff that we had to cover, uh, but we haven't really gotten a chance to get into like you and these speaking engagements and also oh, well, well, you're speaking at Jacksonville. Yeah, Jack, you're speaking to Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago, training and up there and teaching uh, the uh, teaching and working with, I hate to say teaching because a lot of the, a lot of these groups, especially these high speed groups, like, and they are the, it was the ATF uh, SRT team, their SWAT team, their special tactics team uh, out of Florida. And then also the Jacksonville, they're calling their SOT and their, their special operations team, which is their SWAT team. And it was great, man. And I said, move to Florida. That's why I, three months of spring, nine months of summer. And, and it was in Jacksonville. Great. And it's just every time you get off the plane in Florida, I, I feel better. I don't know what oh, it is. Maybe it. it's just it's just the sun. I don't know what. I think, yeah, warm weather. I mean, I think, you know, vitamin D, all the very important. It, it, this stuff. Uh, yeah, definitely. But, uh, you know, it was great training with them. And, and you know, for all those people that give the ATF and I, I, I get you, I, I, the uppers, the upper echelons, the, the, the headquarters elements, the agents that are out there just doing what they're told and they're told the sky's green. They say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, those guys that I teach aren't like that. that that's their, the special tax team. They just, they go to work. They just, they want to go in and they're, they're going to go get the bad guys. And it was funny because we kept giving the ATF agents shit about the brace and like, Oh my gosh, I'm hiding my brace in, in, in this wooden box. In my, and, and, and they're like, guys, we don't give two shits about all these rules that are coming out. And we know we, they did. They don't. And they just, you know, but they 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 just want to come home at night. And and so for I had a lot of questions on, on social media when I posted that picture of my knee. Like, oh, what do you think about the ATF? And I'll tell you what. Yeah, there are rules. I think, you know, they're, they're a government bureaucracy like the agency, like like the CIA, like the NSA, like State Department, like the FBI. They are. They all are now. But the people that are actually on the ground working, just like with the agency, the actual operators, not the people in the office looking at videos and, and lipping up on the up in the upper floors that are still politicians or trying to be politicians. The guys on the ground, the operators on the ground are still just great people and they just want to do the job. They want to catch the bad guys and they want to come home at night to their families. And it was tremendous. It, and, and I love working with law enforcement that actually gets after in training. I've worked with a few that are very pretentious that just because they have a SWAT by their name, they're, oh my gosh, they're, they're Delta SEAL Ranger, yes. Dev Group, you know, they're SEAL Team 6, they're, they're all this in the bag <laughs> of chips. And most, the majority, and honestly, I'll say 100% of the time, they're not. In fact, they're probably the worst, the worst tactically sound groups I've been around. But the ones that want to actually get out there and work hard, they are very good. And those guys are rock stars, just like the Chicago guys. When we go train at Divide Defense with Daniel Lombard out there in Chicago, we get the Chicago police coming down. Those guys are rock stars and they, they get after it, even though, you know, it, stuff they've done a million times. They just, you know, it's, it, they, they like, it's just like professional football teams that have to practice all the time. Yeah. Do they necessarily need practice? No, probably not all the time, but they want to practice because they still want to get better. So it was fun, man. I had a blast and, 
And um, great training with Battleline Tactical. Had the whole team down there, and we started Battleline Beast, which is the fitness side of Battleline yeah, now. Battleline Beast, yeah, yeah, with the Sergeant First Class Alan Vonderhyde, and um, he's retiring from the Indiana National Guard. He's the face of the Indiana National Guard Army Fitness Training Program, and he actually leads it. And so to have him come on and actually start writing fitness programs for Battleline now, I think that's a holy crap, man. It, it was, it was like, wow, where'd this come from? So it, we're expanding on the battle line front, which is also the E3 farms front, which will be doing videos on E3 farms. So things are growing And the speaking events. Yeah. Where was I at? I, we, I talked to you one time. Where the hell was I speaking at? Um, <laughs> I can look was, on your calendar. Yeah, right look on my calendar. Um, it was, it was Florida. I know it was, no, it was Jacksonville. Shit. I don't remember. Atlanta. I had to go to Atlanta and speak and okay. it was another, well, it was another warm weather. Yeah. And it was, nice and another tremendous event speaking is is great it takes a lot out of me to speak but oh no it was athens georgia it was right after georgia won the national championship okay, well that's close that's right it was at the university of georgia and um just again another great event for the georgia pest control and this is something guys i don't know if you know i didn't know this you, ian you may have i talked to a lot of these groups and i didn't know that pest control on a federal level that they do put pesticides and, and again i'm an idiot maybe i'm ignorant guys you call me that ian you probably know this i, I already I read about, I know it, anything sure, about pesticides well, uh, you know, so. they the federal government and this is going to this conspiracy theorist their heads are going to just explode or they probably <laughs> already know this that we do to control malaria and and um, diseases that other countries have like africa and so uh, um, that are spread by insects and, and mosquitoes in particular that we do put pesticides on c-130s and at night they c-130s fly over the country spreading pesticides and, and my that's mind probably when you said like the conspiracy people and 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 to even call it that people might be like that sounds a little bit um i don't know uh demeaning i guess but but i do know people right have differing opinions on the whole chemtrails issue and, and I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of if it's yeah, true or if it's not but what yeah, you're exactly. saying kind that's of plays into that yes that does happen i, I said that's right i think i think you and i are in the same my i didn't i wasn't thinking oh shit they're spreading the covid everywhere but in my mind i'm going how easy would that be to actually gas to to, to spread these things in certain parts of the world and and and, and also i mean if i could just i was just gonna say i mean just knowing history right i think yeah. every the people who are i guess less conspiracy are like the government wouldn't do that, but people who are more on the conspiracy angle and know history would say, and people like who we've had on, like Adam Kokesh, would say, look at what happened to the Tuskegee Airmen. Look at all the people affected by Agent Orange. And like, I'd I'd actually really like to have the, the rapper, R.A. the Rugged Man on, um, not just because he's a great rapper, but his dad was a Vietnam War hero. Oh, yeah. And all of R.A.'s brothers and sisters were either born mentally handicapped or they died at a very young age. Wow, and they that. had no idea why until they found out that their dad that his dad was exposed to agent orange so yeah i think yeah it does get the wheels turning of it's possible for sure <laughs> and and for those that have worked for the government and in the back the the inner workings of, of a lot of it I, yeah I, I and and know that there are a lot in there that are unethical that that would that would leave people behind in the name of political endeavors in, in a foreign country to fight for themselves and fight, try to find their way out of it. 
I, it's maybe have happened. It might've happened to me once. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. But what it's, it's one of those things where yeah, you, you, you want to have that. Hey, man, I, they would people would never, not in America. It would not happen. Yeah. Russia and, and Iran, they do that to their people all the time, but not in America. And it's like, gosh, how I, I would hope not. I would think ethically we have higher ethics and integrity, but I do know that humans are humans. And I do know that people in DC, there's a lot of them that have no integrity. So it does. It's just like, man, how easy would that be to do something like that? And and the pest control guy, they're odd. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking. They're fantastic. It was just so eye-opening for me to sit there and talk to them because I get to talk to these 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 people. And they're great people. And and I get to learn the inner workings of a lot of these businesses. And sometimes like that, it's just, holy shit. You know, that's amazing. Uh, and, and amazing, but also kind of scary. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and also on the pro side of them doing it in foreign countries, it's like people also have to be aware of the fact that there's a reason why Ebola, right, was like so deadly over there. And over here, it really yeah. wasn't an issue. And it does have to do with like the cleanliness, yeah. the medicine, the modern day medicine that we have there that they don't have so readily available. So yeah, I understand both ends of that. Yes, sure, yeah, definitely. Why certain things need to happen in foreign countries. But yeah, then you also look at the other side of of what could be on the negative end. And why, you know, why do we not have malaria here? It's not because our climate isn't isn't conducive to it. It's, we have this. It's maybe a little colder in places, but it's the same climate that the places that they have malaria problems. Florida should have. If that says Florida and Texas, South Texas and Southern California should have malaria all over the place. But the reason we don't, and you're right. I'm saying on the good side, and I'm agreeing with you, is because of these sort of things that that the insecticides and the, the way we we protect this country um, that reduces those numbers. And, and yeah. so, or yeah, Arizona, a good like, side of it. There's, I have yeah. so many friends who live in Arizona uh, <clears throat> who have had like scorpion bites and oh, you go yeah. right to the hospital, you get something, you know, I, I don't know what it is. We get some type of injection mm -hmm. and yeah. they take care of it immediately. But I'm sure, you know, in places like Egypt where they have scorpions and not necessarily Egypt, because I know Egypt's more modern, but I'd have to think of it all, but somewhere in the Middle East, I'm sure it's more of a problem. And, and that's the beauty of this country, but also that's the beauty of, and why we have to hold politics, and we're, now we're going to the political, I didn't even want to go this route, but why we have to hold politi politicians to the highest ethical standards, because they do, they do have that power, and they do have the ability to, to, to do something like that, to, to, to possibly hurt a large group or mass of people just to prove a point or to win an election. And guys, I, I'm saying they're not above that because I've been through something, not where they spread diseases, but where because of, uh, uh, of an election coming up that Americans get left behind. And, but on the other side with the people, again, on the ground doing it, the Georgia pest people, they were outstanding. They're just tremendous. And, and really uh, to me, I'm like, man, you guys are serving this country just as much as, I did when I was in by protecting people and they don't feel that way. I'm like, as you have no idea how, how awesome what you do is to protect this country by being in other, these other countries where malaria is rampant. Where yeah. We, yeah. It's like, or Ebola is rampant and you have no idea how much you're protecting people by, but they, you know, that's the thing. That's what's so awesome is they just, oh, yeah, we're just doing our jobs. And I love being around it. And, it. and then speaking of it turned out very well. And I only cried once. I usually cry a couple of <laughs> times when I speak, I just, <laughs> But um, yeah, it was it was fantastic, and I got some speaking events a lot coming up in the next couple of months in the Midwest. So, um, 
Yeah, a couple of them are actually open. One, the one in Sioux Falls with the with the uh, veteran VFW. Um, look in Sioux Falls. Just go to I go to my website. It should be up on there. That's the one Casey will be at, I believe. That's the one Casey will be at. And then there's one. Actually, I am speaking at one. Uh, there is a Second Amendment rally. I usually don't speak. I saw at, that. And and you know, it, it's somewhat. I try to stay out of the political events. I did see that. I was like, it, it is a political yeah. action committee, but it's it, Second Amendment. It is Second Amendment. So that's where I was like, you know what? And it, 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 I told him, I said, I'm not getting up there to rah rah everybody. If you want that, you need Tucker Carlson. I don't do that. <laughs> but I'll come up there and I'll talk to talk to you about the military. You know, all Second Amendment are very very pro military. Of course. And of course, if 99.9 percent know the story of. And know who Roan and Bub are. And especially with this being the Congressional Gold Medal Award coming out, when I got asked to do it, it just seemed like, man, this is probably something I should do. And, and I, I just like doing it and it, to honor. And it's still, I love honoring Roan and Bub because I do talk highly about them when I speak because yeah. they did give all. And Ambassador Chris Stevens, of course, and Sean Smith. And then I have another one um, in Missouri, uh, St. Louis. Um, it's a uh, it's a uh, gosh I didn't I look on my website guys I don't even remember half the time where I go but that's coming up and yeah. then then we'll be back to training again this summer at the Vaud Defense and here at Fort Scott Kansas uh in April uh May June and July awesome so yeah Chris Tontoperanto.com for more information while we're talking second amendment you are wearing the Fort Scott munitions oh yeah and we got to talk uh, Fort Scott Munitions. Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that's designed to tumble upon impact. That's their trademark in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, or just go to the dealer locator on the website. But if you're going to go to fsm.com, you're going to be able to get 15% through 15% uh, off through us, which is with the promo code BattleLine. Only for listeners of the BattleLine podcast, go to fsm.com, use the promo code BattleLine, you'll, you'll get 15% uh, off ammo, you'll get a discount off some of the bigger products and uh, shirts, hats, all that. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BattleLine Tactical, and the BattleLine podcast. And while we're talking ammo, we're going to talk night vision, our friends at Photonics. Ah, awesome. Yeah, they're great. And this is really the most high-end night vision you're going to get out there. Yeah. Now you can have the superpower to see in the dark with the Viper Binocular Night Vision System by Photonist Defense, which is the global leader in night vision solutions, providing more high-quality night vision capabilities than anyone. Military, law enforcement, and public safety end users utilize Photonist Defense solutions to give them the edge at night in tactical situations and rescue operations. Hunters, shooters, boaters, and enthusiasts can rely on the Photonist Defense Viper Binocular to become masters of darkness. The new Viper Binocular system carries the same features and benefits as the Photonist Defense Viper bin Monocular with a ruggedized body and harnesses the power of the echo intensifier tubes, giving you sharper images, reduced halo, and industry-leading ultra-fast auto-gating across the range of dynamic 
operating conditions. So all you got to do, guys, go to photonistdefense.com for more information. That's P-H-O-T-O-N-I-S defense.com. Uh, or just look for Photonist Defense product options from your night vision dealer. As we often say, look, this is a higher end product. This is not what you're going to see of the shelves, at, as I was talking to Jimmy Allen about, you know, yeah. Cabela's and all that. But it is a world of difference from any of that stuff. Makes a huge difference. It's all mill spec quality, guys. Um, and if you are in law enforcement, I, I know I talked to Phil just recently, and they're going to actually to Ranger Regiment to let the 75th Rangers try out their stuff and hopefully pick it up. And, and if you are part of the 75th Ranger Regiment buying committee there, buy <laughs> Pick them up, guys. Uh, they're the best night vision on the market. And if you're an avid hunter, pick them up. They're tremendous, tremendous product. And, and Photon is just, and they're filled with, with operators, guys that have actually done the job, Phil being one of them, uh, been down range, used, used night vision, so they know what the heck they're talking about. And they will be more than happy to help you if you have any questions. And same with Fort Scott Munitions. They know what they're talking about. And they make good shirts. They, I can actually flex my boobs in these. What are you doing? See, see those things? See? <laughs> uh, but so their they're, they're swag, Fort Scott swag is tremendous. And hopefully Photonis gets us gets some shirts one of these days. Phil, come on, man. Yeah, get some t-shirts so, so I can do some more flexing. And it's good stuff, man. Uh, but great products, guys. Great companies, both Fort Scott Munitions and Fort Photonis Defense. And they are the best in their respective fields with ammunition and then night vision. Joining us for the first time on the podcast is Casey Kennedy, Nebraska National Air Guard veteran and currently working as a reserve component transition assistance advisor, which we'll get into. Um, we're going to get into your story of what happened following your 2012 Afghanistan deployment. Uh, but really how I got connected with Casey is I know you're going to be at the speaking event that we were actually talking about prior to bringing you on. Uh, with Chris in South Dakota, and you mentioned your story, and truthfully, because Chris, Chris knows this, like we get so many people who want to come on the show, and it, it's just tough to get everybody, but the thing that really stood out about you to me was that you have gone through, I think, Helen back, it's a, yeah. it's a horrific story of what you had to deal with after service, after, as Chris yeah. kind of said earlier, like you expect some of those things to happen while in service, but you come back everything is safe, you're in your country, and this happens. But speaking mm -hmm. on the phone just really briefly before having you on, so many people say, like, I'm staying positive, I'm persevering, but they really don't sound that way. They sound kind of down in the dumps, they sound beat up by life, and I understand that, I because I haven't gone through what they've gone through, but really what stood out to me about your perseverance was just, you have such a joyful and, you know, excited, <laughs> bubbly spirit about everything, regardless of what you went through. And I was like, this would be an excellent guest on the show. So we're excited to have you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. No, it, well, and, and your know, case, I didn't know that you're in Nebraska. Where, and yep. now you got, you got MP up there. So wait, were you in the air guard though? Were you in? Lincoln? No, no. As a four Oh second military police battalion out of Omaha with Omaha. the army yeah. national guard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a couple, but Eric Glassman was one that long to, now this is way I'm dating myself. <laughs> I mean, we're talking in the early two, when I had that break in service and I went to ROTC at Creighton, I did a green to gold to get my, get my, uh, to get my, uh, officer's commission. And um, there were several that were part of that unit. A guy named Eric Glassman was one of them. He actually became an officer. I don't know what the hell happened to him. But yeah, I was like, man, that's cool. She's from Nebraska and the MP unit. Um, but I, you know, I guess what we want to get into and, and just however you want to tell it, you know, 
we'll get into the, the after effects, but uh, and what you went through after the military. But just you're you're joining the military, and what made you want to go to it, and and then also any stories that you have from being in you know in the Omaha National Guard, and then your Afghanistan stuff, and and anything else that you want to say, just to just you know about you and and okay. anything you know it doesn't have to be exciting but we like exciting funny mm -hmm. stuff and it can be jackassery too because of course you got a ranger <laughs> on the show so please just start from the beginning and you know and and your service and what made you want to join and and you know are you local omaha or did you go to college there and then said hey i'm gonna stay in omaha and, and join the national guard how'd that all work out so I actually joined when I was 17 years old. I was a junior in high school. Um, I, I don't know, like my mom kept a bunch of my old stuff. And like when I was six years old, I wrote down that I wanted to be in the Navy. Like, of course, Navy after working with them, not so much. <laughs> but I honestly, I don't know what really what triggered that inner need but um i chose my mos to be an mp because that's what my great grandpa was okay so you had family was that family was family service so you had a lot of family so your mm -hmm. your lineage of, of of army is what you're kind of saying there um my great grandpa was army and then i have a cousin who was marine and then went army but other than those two that was pretty much okay. it okay cool yeah so it's kind of a way for me to get out of the small podunk town and actually make something for myself. Where were you at? Where were you growing? Where'd you grow up at? Oxford. Uh, is that that's in Nebraska? Yeah. <laughs> Where the hell? No, my, my wife's from Utah. I met my wife. She I met her and, and she so I know I know Utah and where Valley used to be. Where does Oxford? I've never you been. You know where Holdridge is? Yeah, I know that's okay. Yeah. So if you stay on Highway Six, like you're going through Arapahoe, it's one of the little turnoffs. Holy crap! All right. <laughs> That's, it's like a less than a thousand people. <laughs> oh my, yeah, I, I, I can't believe I've never been there. I've lived in Nebraska for many years. Well, I, I, you transition, what went through your head when you told your mom that you wanted to join or your, your dad or whoever you had to get permission to join the army? Mm -hmm. What'd they do when, when you asked? My that? mom was fine with it. She's like, get out I'm of here. I'm looking back and I have two daughters myself and I'm like, if my children said that, I'd be like, no, you're going to wait. No, I don't. No, I don't <laughs> but know. no, I mean, and I, she was very supportive and we, I gave her the spiel. She listened to my recruiter and next thing I know, I'm signing up and heading to basic training and that summer between my junior and senior year. And then I came back and then the following I was supposed to, I, I found out that apparently you can be underweight and they won't ship you to training. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was one pound underweight and they wouldn't, they made me come back to do another way in to give me a ship date to go to my um, MP training. So what, you just go to McDonald's and eat a couple Big Macs <laughs> and sit <laughs> What'd you do? I asked them because I'm like, there's lunch here. Can I just go eat? <laughs> She's like, no. That is the most, so I have never heard that before in my life. Uh, yeah. So when you, you you got there, you ate and and you ate, you got some pounds on you. That's that. Well, they wouldn't let her. It sounds like. I, yeah. Well, so how long did you have to? So would you have to go like for thirty days and then come back in thirty days, or they make you wait six months, or how? I've never heard that before. I, I've heard being overweight but not underweight. Yeah, right. Um, I want to say it was either a couple weeks or maybe a month. I was supposed to go. I 
believe in June of 08, but I didn't end up going, I think, until maybe September. August, that's not September, bad. Maybe. No, that's not bad. A few months of, yeah, of, of getting to eat anything you wanted, which is <laughs> tre it's tremendous. It's like the other side of the diet, the opposite diet. Um, now, where was, was um, I know MP school, was that in still in Missouri? Was that at Leavenworth? Where mm -hmm. they there was uh, Leonard Wood. Leonard Wood. They sent you yep. to Fort Lost in the Woods. So it's like it's still yes, lost. Yes, they sure yeah. did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know my my first time in basic training or for NX, I went through it twice. Um, first time was a shock to the system. What, you know, what was your getting off? I, I mean, tell, I love hearing those stories of when you get there, you get to your, your, your in-processing station. Ours was 30th AG. I don't know what Leonard Woods is, Fort Leonard Woods is, but the first time you ran into your drill sergeant and how'd that go I, throughout your basic training and how'd you adjust to it? I mean, I am I, pretty much, I was just very timid and just kind of tried to do my best to keep to myself and not be noticed, which has kind of been my whole military career and it never works out for me that way. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really remember a whole lot of too terribly funny stories. I know some dude had a loofah on his uh wall locker and so the drill sergeant made a pretty good song about about that <laughs> had a loof now yeah. you guys now they're, they're doing co-ed barracks is that how they because when, when i went through mm -hmm. and being at benning it was you know as infantry there was it was all it was all guys it was all you know barrack. there was no co-ed there was no inter intermingling um with females and males in fact i didn't don't think there were any even females on our on our training compound where I was at, at 258. How was there and how was that? Um, so we each, we all had our own barracks, but then whenever we would have to do training inside the barracks room, we would go into the male's barracks room. And then of course they yell, you know, female, whatever. I can't remember what it was. F female <laughs> on the floor or something yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 And, and how did that, was that difficult? Was that hard? Did, was there anything where, where you just, I don't know. I just seem there, there's just, there's so much testosterone on both sides, male and female testosterone in the air. You're not seeing anybody. And I've heard some stories and honestly, I heard stories are like, man, I wish I would have went to a, a, a co-ed co basic training, but what was the craziness and, and how with that and how did the drill sergeants handle it? Or, or how did you handle it? Or was there anything that, Maybe I don't want to say inappropriate because everything's inappropriate in basic training. That's why it's basic training. But you know, was there anything that just stuck out in your head with being that way? And if there's advice for young women that want to go in, are there any advice you can give them? Because a lot of them will go to those type of co-ed basic trainings mm -hmm. and AITs or one station unit trainings. I mean, overall, I, I feel like the drill sergeants pretty much handled everything appropriately. We weren't really allowed to, we always had the battle buddy team. So you weren't allowed to be any place without having that battle buddy. And so that's kind of how they did it was doing teams of people that way, nothing could be said. And so, so nobody could sneak behind, the, <laughs> sneak behind the corners and yeah, I'm, we, we had some shenanigans when I went through uh, my officer's training there at Fort Lewis and we went through phase three, which is the advanced camp, which you go to your out where you go in the field. We had some shenanigans, but that's just officers. Officers are just sick creatures. That's why they're just <laughs> terrible. 
Um, Ian, I know I'm talking a ton. I got, but no, yeah, it's well, let's. I, I would love to get into you know you you deploying and and what yeah. the okay. process was for preparing for that. So we did detainee ops in uh, at Bagram um, detention facility, and so my role there was um, like the bats and hide fingerprinting, iris scan, um, asking their background and i would know their background before they would get to us and so you you knew what they were being charged with whether it's killing americans setting off an id or things like that and then i would have to be the one to physically handle them to get like their fingerprints on that machine and be like this far from their face oh gosh they stunk so bad <laughs> like even after taking a shower the smell there's no words for that smell. <laughs> yeah, it's just when you when you eat a lot of and this I'm not being guys. This is not racist. This is what they freaking eat in the top. When you eat a lot of goat, you eat a lot of stuff out there in the in the mountains. It it sweats out. It is. It I've had I've through. had curry goat. It's good. And and you know curry the the curry powder and all the other spices they put in it. I still don't know what the hell that with the raisins and the rice. I still don't know what the hell that is and why they like to eat that stuff. And it's not like we're wrapped in mayonnaise. <laughs> But it is a smell. I, I feel, I, I know it's just, a, it's, it's, and, but, you know, I talked to other Taliban when I was working and when we got to talk to them and, or through interpreters that, and they would say the same thing. They said that we smelled funny. So it was just, it was just a different, it's perspectives. It was just a difference of opinion, but you're working at the Bagram Detention Center and that was a pretty tough center. What, what did you see? And, and, you know, again, experiences there, anything that stuck out because that was, that was some of the worst of the worst that we we had there um, at that time, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, not a whole lot, really. I didn't really go in the shoes, so I didn't have that type of interaction. Some other of my fellow uh, soldiers, they did, but mine was pretty much uh, notating when they're coming in, documenting. Um, so I, I may have thought it was really funny to make the detainee smile and then upload the photos to the Pentagon's monitoring system. So, so they <laughs> there's have, a Navy guy at work, but he did not like it. That I, did that. <laughs> I would make him smile <laughs> in their mugshot. Oh my gosh, that's funny. I, I was wondering, like, you know, we have so many guys on the show and it is predominantly guys, I will say that that are in like that door kicker realm. And they're like, I couldn't wait to be deployed. That's what that's what I joined the military for coming from your perspective, you know, coming from Nebraska, where was this something that, that you really want? Did you just want that military experience or for you? Were you hoping to be deployed to a war zone? Um, For me, it didn't really matter one way or another. Um. I had a rough like childhood and stuff like that. So it was nice to have that more or less like family unit. And I didn't realize what a family unit being in the military really was until I was in it. And then um, I was with my unit for a couple months before we were going to deploy. And I knew in advance that I would be deploying. And so I have plenty of time to wrap my head around it and get used to the idea. Is, is that so what attracted blindsided. you? Yeah, I'm just wondering, is that what attracted you to join the military when you say that you had a rough upbringing with family? Was that however you want to get into it? It played a large role. It definitely played a large role in 
wanting to wanting that get away from this environment make something of myself you know don't fall into the same old stereotypical um family cycles so yeah, what, what, did, what, what did you have going on growing up um if family watches this i don't want sure to, no, I, 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 uh, and, yeah, and, and, whatever yeah and, want, and, but whatever you want to say about it <laughs> I, you know if there's anything you could say and casey um, if there's if there's something that you say and you're like man i shouldn't we can edit no it. I, don't, I don't want to start editing <laughs> stuff so let's it's it's tough to edit video but whatever you're comfortable saying um my mom struggled with addiction she says that she had lupus i didn't ever see any proof but a lot of family of mine struggled with addiction and that's what i was gotcha. primarily exposed to so you yeah you wanted to break out and i actually <laughs> know guys who went to the military who had you know parents who were alcoholics and and they were like the guys who came back who never had a drink or anything which by the way is like we'll get into your story but it's so crazy knowing your story and knowing that you did your best not to go down that path of addiction of vices yeah. and somehow you yeah broke that cycle by the way there's something going on with your camera your camera's like super bright yeah i noticed that <laughs> I, I have no idea what happened put put, put your I hand over not... it like this and come out and oh see there we go okay right. cool, cool oh that works i'll just yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, honestly i you know it sounds like in, in the military in kind of like I, I grew up not in a small town as oxford but <laughs> it was still a pretty small town and for me, the military, and I don't know if it may be the same thing for you, was it just was a way, man, I want to experience everything that I I watch on TV and, and everything that I'm taking, the movies I'm seeing. I just saw the old him, the clear and present danger, the Harrison Ford movie, long time ago. And um, it's like, man, I want to see all that. And this is, that's really the big reason why I joined was just so I could see everything. Was that an, uh, was that some, another motivator that you had just say, I, I want to see the world. I don't want to just be in this town and then be 80 and be like, well, all I've seen is Omaha or all I've seen is Lincoln. or Because uh, I think that's a motivator for a lot of people to join the military. And it, it is a good motivator. It's something that's positive to get out of it because you do see a lot. And obviously, you, you did see a lot being in Afghanistan as well. Absolutely. <laughs> and like, and I don't know if you've ever been to Bagram, but it's oh, yeah. really, it's so pretty there. The mountains when they're covered in beautiful. snow, I yeah. was shocked because I just assumed it was going to be, you know, sand and desert. And no, Afghanistan so is pretty. Mountains is beautiful. Oh, yeah. I've been in the Panjshir Valley. I've been to the Hindu Kush. I've been even down in Helmand in the South Province. It's, it's you don't realize there are still mountains and, and jagged rocks and these, you know, I, I, it's awesome that you say that because it brings back memories of us climbing some of these mountains. And it's like the mountains are even trying to kill you because the, the rocks are like shards of glass. <laughs> like this place is just so savagely beautiful. It's just incredible. But you're right. Bagram was was gorgeous. And by that time, you know, I was there in 05, 06, and then off and on from seven and eight, just going from Iraq to Afghanistan back and forth. Bagram by 2012, it was almost like a small city. So it was really cool to actually go into Bagram and Man, I could go get some pizza and coffee and 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 you felt relatively safe, but you're right, you're in this big valley and the mountains are just gorgeous. How was that living at Bagram? Because honestly, if I would have I would have loved to have been stationed there. I wasn't, but we got to come in every once in a while to to grab stuff and and sometimes to bring 
to visit the detention center mm -hmm. to bring people in or, or do interviews. So, uh, but how was that living at Bagram? Because it was, it was gorgeous. And you guys got, were getting hit a few times every once in a while too. Mortars yeah. and rockets at that time too. Yes. Um, <laughs> I remember, I want to say it was September 11th of 2011, hearing like constantly be hearing like the sirens and stuff and like the loud sounds. And I don't know why it may be there if there was any significance for them to do it on that day. But I definitely right. noticed more on that day than most days. So when you were there, was it around the time when the army got well i want to say like whoever took over for us i know that there was somebody that lit a quran on fire <laughs> yeah, the, because you know, it was supposed to be contraband <laughs> the uh the detention center there and i, don't, I normally was the army that i know not, we didn't work with them i didn't work with the unit specifically um at the end of the runway with the task force guys that was kind of where agency because i was with the agency at that time but um, yeah, I was there when that when whoever did that happened. I don't know who it was. I don't know which unit it was. But yeah, you know, of course, it started uh, it stirred trouble up. And there was there were more rocket attacks and there were more mortars attacks. A lot of them still missed because they just weren't very good. You know, they, they weren't good at it. They even at that big Bagram, they couldn't hit what they wanted to hit. And Bagram's huge. But yeah, and and um, I guess you know that leads to a question because and I wasn't did, glad you asked this because what were the rules when you came in after that? Because at that time in the early days, it really was, it's like, it's corrupt. You know, a lot of the guys, who gives a shit? It, it, there wasn't rules against that. Did they put more rules in place when, oh, yeah. when you came in? We, because, because of Abu Ghraib, we yeah. had so many, we were under very strict orders of what we can do and how to do things with policies and procedures. Technically, um, for us, because each of the detainee has their identifying number on or in their Quran so that they know it's theirs. And we as Americans were not allowed to touch it. We were supposed to have or the, um, in the interpreters would be the ones yeah. to handle that. And actually, those rules changed for us, too, even when we would go pick guys up and pick them up in town and bring them back for questioning. <laughs> And I even got an argument with the Taliban guy that I was searching when we brought him back to our base and he wouldn't allow me to, to touch his Koran. And, and my Navy SEAL buddy that was next to me, um, God rest his soul, Joe Bixler, awesome guy. Uh, he was going to just beat the living crap out of him. I remember that. And I remember telling Joe, just settle down. And I had, a, I still carried my, you know, the little pocket Bibles they gave us. We mm -hmm. always had the yeah. little, I handed my two, New Testament to the Taliban and the guy, and I said, "Hey, you can touch this. We believe in Allah, God. We're the one and the same." And he actually, he actually calmed down. He let me search him and touch his Quran. But I do remember those rules because it was pretty bad. And I was in Iraq when Abu Ghraib was going on. That's how old I am. I'm old as dirt. You know, <laughs> Benghazi was extremely late. But you know, I, that's you know, that's good, and, and it should be that way. I mean, I know where there's rules that we have to be tough, you know, and they do. They respond to toughness. They do, but they're also we have to have so, some empathy as well. Even though a lot of times they use it against us, but that experience with me in the Bible and the Quran with the one Taliban guy that we had, and this was in Kandahar at the time when I was down there, it did show me that you can still be nice until it's time to not be nice. And and it sounds like you were that way. I mean, just just 
hey, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing a job. I'm trying to be make this a good experience for you until you don't allow me to make it a good experience for you. And, and is that, I mean, that's how, is that how you were trained? Or is that just something you, you had in you when you left Nebraska? It was, it was, we were trained, but it's also something that I have in me. I love to get to know people and understand things. And so for me being over there, I love talking to the interpreters and yeah. learning from them um, and just getting to learn their culture and not trying to understand it. Cause I, I was shocked at, cause the primary detainees that we would get would be super young, very little English, and they just didn't have the knowledge. Like you could tell which ones were more mastermind versus which ones were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And not like not wrong place at the wrong time, but were, were influenced by the wrong people. Manipulated. They were manipulated young and you're mm -hmm. manipulated. Kind of like our college kids. Young and <laughs> manipulated. It's the same. Say and honestly, it's the same thing. I hate to say it, but it's the same damn thing. Um, and and they are, and and you're right. It's a lot of times I agree. The, the older, saltier ones, the hardcore ones, you're not going to reach them. They're going to kill you. It's just. But then there were a lot of the one that were young and manipulated that realized the error of their ways when it was too late. And but it's good. I mean, it is cool that at least they got to see a smiling face <laughs> before before they were put in and, and rightfully they should have been put in detention for trying to blow somebody up and i've lost a few i've lost quite a few friends from ieds and a lot of injuries uh from from that as well not me but friends i've been very blessed um i know i, I want to get into this too i know Ian, we do too let's if we can let's move on and, and talk to you when okay. you got out and and then what you went through um with your accident and and you know and and how how you've gotten through that so we got back um I it was right around my 21st birthday so i got back wow. and i was drinking quite a bit because i i didn't realize how different the trend and how difficult the transition into civilian world would be yeah. after being over there like i heard people say it but i didn't really understand it so i was going to the bar like my roommate she worked in a bar so i'd go oh, yeah. with her when she'd go to work and i'd be there the whole time <laughs> had some pretty rough <laughs> rough nights <laughs> do we need, do we do we want to talk about these let's talk about oh, okay, let's keep it we, we, I, i'd love to hear about those those are hilarious oh goodness <laughs> but then um in may of 2012 i well no it's the end of april 2012 to the beginning of may 2012 where i went to wlc and then yeah. at the end of may is when my wreck happened so i do have pictures wow <laughs> um if you would like to see them who who, who took the pictures for you how'd you get the pictures? um so the pictures came because I had things in my vehicle. And so a couple of my friends went to go retrieve whatever they could out of my vehicle. And so they took the pictures for me because I mean, I don't know if we can see them, but I, I, I'd love to if you can if you can put them up and we can. Oh, yeah. Holy well, crap. Let Casey talk because it, it's going to pan to you while you're speaking. And if you want to describe what we're seeing. Yeah, describe. Tell people what we're seeing um, right now, Casey. Essentially, um, the man that hit me he hit me head on like so you can tell like in the driver's side right here where all the impact was in the front of the vehicle where and you and you 
because you were talking about that at the time you were having trouble transitioning <laughs> you were you were not drinking you were just no no yeah. get this because it happened on memorial day and it was a three car wreck i remember seeing him coming at me and going oh shit oh, wow. and i like i looked both sides and it was um do you know where marysville kansas is oh yeah like yeah. if you're on that if you're on that highway going to um is it beatrice beatrice or? beatrice beatrice yeah yeah, yeah whatever that's where it's beatrice, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> there's like when you're going up that hill right after you're getting out of Marysville, yeah. there's a hill and it happened right there. Well, I looked both sides and there's complete drop-offs. So I slammed yeah. on my brakes and pretty much just braced. But I guess the vehicle behind me had also hit him as well. And- So, so they're, you're coming like this. So there's two vehicles that run it. So basically two vehicles where he, was he texting or was it the vehicle behind him that hit him and that that's what caused the wreck? I found out that he, his blood alcohol level was uh, 0.208. Okay. And so um, I'm assuming he probably just passed out. And, and just, then, yeah. And the part that has always frustrated me is the people behind me, because they were behind me and then they swerved around and hit him as well. They were not the ones to come check on me. Well, they just took off. Do you think they were drinking too? I'm They're, speculating here. So they, there was a bottle of vodka found in a duffel bag in their vehicle. Wow. And they were younger. So my assumption would be that they were worried about being caught as well. But because I remember some lady coming in my window and talking to me. And like, I remember like being like looking down and seeing my legs all super bloody and just being in a lot of pain. And she was talking to me and waited until they got there. Um, They had to use the jaws of life. They drove or then they took me to Marysville Hospital where they life flighted me to um, Lincoln to Brian LGH. What was going through your head, if you can remember at all, or, or, you know, were you thinking, everybody says, and I never seen this, but um, some, you know, life flashes before your eyes, or you're thinking of things maybe you haven't done, or did, or you're just thinking, I just need to get through this. I can, I can get through this. All I remember is telling her, I heard, I heard, like, that's all I really remember. And then, because a lot of my memories kind of came back after a little while. It wasn't all at once. And they say flashbacks, but I don't really feel like they're flashbacks. It's more Mm -hmm. like memories. Like, I remember doing this. (laughs) And... I want oh, people to know, I mean, just the extent of these injuries, because yeah. you see the picture of the car and, you know, you gave me the list of everything and it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's insane. So essentially um, I had a collapsed lung. I lost over half my blood. I broke my pelvis, um, both Ow. femurs. Um, I know there was a tibia and fibia. Um, my heel was crushed and my ankle was shattered. I think that's all. That's quite a bit. If you're missing one or two, give or, t- give or take a couple <laughs> bones here or there, a bone in my toe or, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, perseverance, you know, doesn't even explain it or even give it justice, but yeah, were you th- anything at all just in your head, just, you know, as far as the pain and concentrating on the pain, or maybe that's what kept you in it is just concentrating on the pain. Um, 
honestly, I, I I think it was kind of the pain and mainly when she was in my car talking to me, I think that helped a lot to keep me awake and alert. Um, I, my memory kind of skips from her talking to me to being, they had me at the hospital in Marysville briefly. And I remember they had me like completely flat and that's when I had the most pain ever. And I'm pretty sure it was because of, um, I'm assuming they were taking x-rays and that's why they had me flat. And then I woke up. Now we're getting into the fun stories because I woke up in in the hospital and like they had me intubated and I do not do well with anesthesia. I puke almost every single time. So I'm intubated. I'm waking up. I know I need to puke. I'm looking around and everybody's like in my head. I'm like, I'm going to choke to death. I'm going to die. Like this is going to be it. (laughs) And so I got mad because nobody was paying attention to me. So I start shaking my legs and everybody in the room's like, yeah, I was so high. It didn't bother me. (laughs) (laughs) So who'd you pick to puke on then? Um, I don't think I puked on anybody <laughs> as far as they remember I just it was fiery Hawaiian pizza was the last thing oh <laughs> yeah that's awesome so we got blood and broken bones and Hawaiian pizza puke that's an awesome yeah it's good story yeah, so, it's so, pretty great so the, the recovery process did you have to learn how to walk again yeah and what how was, was it? that like oh gosh it was it was awful so I in the it took a few days before they could slowly wean me off of the in the tube and i remember when i woke up seeing a major that i hadn't seen with since i deployed and i didn't really talk to him at all so i'm waking up have to puke see this major and i'm like what the fuck are you doing here like who are you like so I was pretty much a sideshow because my sister, I bless her heart. I love her to death, but she didn't know how to deal with it. All these military people coming in expecting to have their, they were kind of swarming her. And so she just was like, okay, they can stay. Did, did you know the major did, was he your XO, like your, your battalion XO? Was he, what was he? Is I it can't just a- remember which one it was. It was either major early line or major running. I honestly can't remember, but I had even general Lyons. Um, he showed up at one point, maybe two points. Um, pretty much everybody, a lot of higher ups from my unit were all there on and off. Did, was that, did you feel like that was a good thing? Did you feel, or did you think like you were just being a spectacle? I, 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 were their intentions, I guess, were their intentions good? I hoped that they were, and I would think that they are, but what did you feel like? How'd that make you feel? There were some of them that I was very happy they were there. Like, uh, my night NCO, Mel Warner, she's she's amazing i we were super close overseas and she was there and she was trying to help my sister navigate all these higher ups but um my there was a few people because that one mate whichever major it was i definitely felt it didn't feel comfortable with him being there because i never really spoke to him so for me it was more feeling like a sideshow circus and there were others that would show up where 
them being there, like when I was finding out the extent of my injuries, um, Colonel Teague was next to me and they had taken out my tube and I could, it, oh gosh, trying to speak after you have been intubated is the worst because it hurts so bad. But I just remember staring at him like as they're like the doctor's telling me the stuff. I'm staring at him like translate this into English, please. <laughs> Good. I mean, I I've got because I got I got more, but go ahead, Ian. No, I'm I'm, uh, I'm listening. Yeah, rehabilitation. How, when you started to get back and get going again, the rehabilitation. How difficult was it? And I I mean, I've had just I just tore tore a muscle and a tendon. I didn't have all that, um, because it can get it can get I know it can get hard and it can hurt. But, you know, getting through that, what did, what did you think to yourself? How, what did you say to yourself? Were there any sayings that you had that, Hey, I, every day that you're going in. Cause I know there are probably days where you're like, screw this. I do not want to do this today. But you I mean, there, yourself is, anyway. there are still days I feel it this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, it helped because my unit was so present showing up because like I wanted to prove to them like that I'm so strong, I'm so tough, I got this, so that they would be proud of me, which kind of backfired because I didn't really realize the toll on my mental health that it took. And so that I kind of kept internally and then I'd show everybody like, oh, look, I'm learning how to walk a couple steps, get all that, and then continue to kind of go down that route. It was kind of a double-edged sword, though, because you don't want people seeing you and feeling sorry for you. But at the same time, I knew in order to get better that I had to put in the work. And I would find ways to manipulate my body so that it would hurt less. Like in the hospital, they had this little triangle. Well, I would use my upper body strength to pull myself up so that I could kind of fix how I would move, but, and I still do that to this day where if I'm struggling to do something, I will manipulate my body so that I can do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm super stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good thing being stubborn. Cause then it makes you, like you said, it makes you want to do it because you don't want to fail. You don't want to feel like, or feel like you're failing. Um, I know we talked to, you know, pain medication it can it can get you and and you want that pain can you talk a little bit about about that and your mental health and your mental state at that time and and how you recover and every day we're recovering on our mental state i think every day that people that have served or been through something uh traumatic you do but yeah can if you don't mind talking a little bit about that and 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 your low points and your high points so i was i did a pretty good job handling my medication and weaning myself off of things. Um, I did find like when I first got, I was going through the VA to get my medications right after I got out of the hospital. Well, they decided they wanted to mess with my medications. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember being there just released from the hospital after 18 days. And I'm trying to get my medication and they're lecturing me on the getting addicted to pain medicine. And I'm looking at myself like, uh, I, I kind of need this. <laughs> how how many days had you been at? How many days since? 18. Since, oh. and there, since, I mean, since you, since surgery, since everything. Yeah. How, how many days? It was, you'd only been, so it'd been 
two and a half weeks and they were mm -hmm. telling you that you yeah that's that's yeah <laughs> I, I well you know that did that make you feel like oh my honestly that can backfire too it, it can make you feel like i'm an addict because you don't know if you're an addict or not i mean you I, nobody knows unless they've been one and and two and a half weeks especially after all that and how the heck you're going to sleep at night you're not an addict by any means so what but i that's how it would make me feel i don't know if that made you feel the same way and, and what, oh, what yeah. did you do it's like what it, do you turn to oh, alcohol what do you want me to do smoke pot i mean it's, i mean that's kind of what they're forcing you into mm-hmm it, it brought oh, I it put the biggest sour taste in my mouth for the VA when they did that. And I know that by law, if there somebody's being prescribed these drugs, sure. that they have sure. to do it. But I felt like they could have handled it a lot better yeah. and taken the time <laughs> to actually, hey, you know, you need to watch these slowly, start taking yourself off, like kind of push yourself. Like if they would have explained the weaning off process that would have been more beneficial than lecturing me on yeah. getting addicted. And, yeah. and you were telling me before uh, when we just spoke really briefly that in addition to all this stuff that you had to worry about, there was even like the financial issue of yeah. when you left the military, right? So get into that. Okay, so when in the hospital, I remember because I was still within that 180 days after getting back from deployment where you're covered mm. completely under TRICARE. Well, yeah. that cutoff date ended up happening like a couple of days into me being at the hospital. And so my unit thing, I, I love them so much, but they came and had me sign up for um, TRICARE Reserve Select so that I could continue getting sure. the treatment. Um, but he that the man that hit me had no assets, no car insurance, no nothing. So I I didn't get anything out and of I it. And I don't remember. Did he did he die? Yes. Yeah, I thought that you said, uh, you said wow. And then I ended up luckily while I was still in my unit, I had a captain there that had told me about TSGLI. I hadn't ever heard of that. So it falls under your SGLI. If right. you're hospitalized for at least 15 consecutive days, that's $25,000. If you lose a leg, I want to say that's $25,000. Like they, there's a whole bunch like loss of limb, hospitalized loss of daily activities, which is apparent was for me very hard to prove, but I think just because they're picky, I'm like, I was in a wheelchair for, <laughs> how do you think I took care of myself? Holy and, crap. And I don't yeah. remember, did you, did you lose any limbs or are you, are you no. in a wheelchair? Okay. So you learned how to walk completely mm -hmm. again. Do you have issues with that or? Yeah. I, and I, I get arthritis horribly. Um, the weather changing, especially here in Nebraska, it definitely <laughs> causes me a lot of pain. Um, usually I can tell the weather before it happens. <laughs> <laughs> those, those, so a lot of metal rods, a lot of pins, a lot of screws. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, with that, yeah, I, I, I offer some advice to those that might go through it eventually, or maybe are going through it right now. Because you do have to prove a lot to the VA, which is a pain in the ass, which you shouldn't have to, which it should be common sense. But you're right. There's somebody with a check and especially even more so now with there's less common sense in the world. There's somebody with a checklist going down. God bless them. But that's what they're doing. They're not using their brains uh, as well as they should. 
what would you recommend somebody doing that's in their position again? I, the people always tell us in the military, document everything, but you went through it. You were able to get that assistance. What would you have done easier? What would you have said to them? Or what would you have used that could help somebody down the road that may go through the same thing that you, you're, you're going, you're still really going through? Yeah. So the SG or the TSGLI falls under your life insurance. So that one um, I was able to get. But when I was getting out of the military, because I thought my my unit was trying to not. I think that their intentions were well, but they made me think that I was still going to be able to continue being in the service. I was okay. in for 11 months after my wreck happened. Sure. And then we went to a PHA and they're like, you're going to have to come off a profile or get out. Well, my wreck happened and I wasn't heading to drill or any of that. So essentially there wasn't much. They're like, we go through the med board process, but you're not going to get anything. And, so yeah. no, no dis no there was no disability nothing what uh, okay keep going I got yeah this is just crazy. yeah keep going and then when um oh oh that's right that's right I was like holy shit somebody, Ian did you did somebody shooting in Connecticut what's going on so then when I went to go get out I tried to go to the VA to file some claims and sure. the gentleman there told me well he was focused on the injuries i received from my car wreck he wasn't focused on anything else that i had documented with the va prior and basically it was like there's nothing we can do and sent me away well now that i'm in this position where i can help veterans I know that wasn't true. And I'm yeah. now going through the process of um, the fighting the VA like everybody else does. So honestly, if somebody says something to you and you don't feel it's right, get second opinions, get third opinions would be my advice to them. So they be third, it, third opinions from medical doctors or, or go to like a, a VFW or a DAV and have one of their counselors help you that's outside of the VA system itself. Mm -hmm. is that yeah, whether you go to a VSO, DAV, VFW, um, even if you choose the route of getting a, a lawyer to help you with your claim, get a second opinion if you're being told no and you do not feel that that is accurate. I, and documentation, 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 documentation. Because I'm finding out now because some of the issues that I had when, like, is when I first got back from Afghanistan and I did the right thing. I went to the VA, got things documented. My back hurts. They take x-rays. Oh, you're fine. But, you, but, <laughs> then, you still, but like, the documentation I'm, still helps. So just that you, you still, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. But when I was in that long period of time of me waiting or like not knowing that I was actually entitled to a lot. Now it's like, well, you don't have anything from here to here. Well, I don't really like doctors. <laughs> I, I kind of struggle with them. So. Well, and that's, you know, and that's the thing too, is that in the military, like you said, they expect you to hey, tough it out. I'm tough. This, this happened to a lot of, a lot of, it happened to me when being at range battalion, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm fine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it, my bone sticking out of my left leg. I'm good. I'll just rub some dirt on it. And we don't go document <laughs> because that's not what we're, 
it's 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 so it's I don't know if it's ironic is that the word for it because they want you to have this toughness that you don't need to go to the doctor but then when you go to a claim and say hey man this hurts well you have no documentation you told me to not I I'm not supposed to go on profile it, it it's such it's such a it's horseshit to be honest lack of a better word but you're right who helped me when i went to, i went to a, a a dav and i had an actual outside counselor a civilian counselor said holy shit why haven't you filed for all this and he's the one that actually did the paperwork for me so i i completely agree with you having outside help is what you need to do and yeah i wish i would have documented more I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, you were smart to definitely, even when they say, no, you don't have anything wrong with you. It's still smart. And that's what you hatch. That's what I should have done. And every, just gone in there every time and documented, even with the littlest owie, but you can't do that. Especially when you're, especially when you're alpha male or alpha female, you can't do that. You're not supposed to. Um, how are you finding now that you're, you know, you are outside the system. You've talked about a little bit. And, and you, God bless you, you're helping people, you know, is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Are the VA system, are they trying? It seems like they're trying, but I, I, to get better, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not immersed in it like you are. I mean, right now, they, they recently on January 17th um, passed the Compact Act. Um, and with the PACT Act, I'm from, I, I'm the presumptive uh, they're looking at those that got cancer first and they're trying to so if in an individual got cancer that was related to um the burn, burn pits. pits they're burn trying pits. to hurry up and get those ones processed and help those guys out it just kind of depends on the soldier and what route they're taking because if they have individuals like myself or someone else behind them that we can help them navigate the roles in the maze of the VA system, then we can kind of help pinpoint them in the right direction so that they can get help faster. But if they're being, if you're stubborn and you're like, oh, I'm, you know, then you're not going to get too far. You're going to have to go through a whole lot of hoops to jump through in order to get to where you're trying to go. And by the way, this is a good transition to talk about what you're doing now, because yeah. now, as you kind of told me, you you have this passion back in life for helping veterans. You're like, I can no longer serve, but I could serve in this capacity. So as I mentioned during the intro, Casey's now a reserve component transition assistance advisor. Uh, the organization is rctaapsa.com. I mean, I'll put the link there because it's a lot to remember. But I'd, I'd like to get into what you do now, because... It sounds like ra this is what helped you transition after military yeah. service, after injury, is now you have this passion for helping others. This was kind of my angle. If I couldn't serve, then I wanted to do something to help veterans because I feel in some veterans like myself struggle with, with civilian employment struggle with dealing with civilians because they don't understand a lot of the transitions and stuff that we go through and so it's easier like if you're a veteran to talk to you than in some cases when it's a civilian and so i was going through different jobs employments 
and it was kind of just like the stepping stones that I was taking. I used college, um, pretty much all of my GI post 9-11 GI bill benefits. And I got some different, um, veteran scholarships, but I ended up achieving two master's degrees, one in wow. human service and one in human resource. That's and awesome. Congrats so on that, by the way, that's I, awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it is, but I was also using it to keep my mind focused on other things. So I wasn't focusing on all the bad and negative, which I, I mean, I will be honest, I should have seek counseling. I had a gentleman in the hospital that because they send social workers whenever you're involved in something bad. And I lied out my teeth. It was like, no, I'm fine. You should see my car. I'm a miracle. Like just blowing smoke to get him out of my room. <laughs> and um, so I ended up using college as kind of my own therapy in That's a good. way. No, I, I did the same thing when I got booted out of the military first time. I went and got my master's degree. It, it gives you at least a goal and it, it, it a, a distraction. Sorry, all you tenured professors out there. College is just a distraction. Veterans <laughs> tell you that, right? Right. But but no, it's still it's still hard because it, it, you 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 set a goal and you obtained it and actually exceeded it because you got two. Uh, that's that's amazing. I hope I don't ever want you think, and I know you don't. I want to tell you this: don't ever downplay it because that is therapy. You're right. It it is great therapy, and you accomplish something. Yeah, keep keep going. You parlayed that into what you're doing now, or you parlayed <laughs> yeah, it, or you yes. just kept looking for jobs and just kind of. Okay. So I was doing something else at the time and I got reached out to by a headhunter about this position. Um, it's a remote position, so I'm able to travel. I got to go to Washington, cool. D.C. for a conference, um, <clears throat> went out to Scott's Bluff for a veteran stand down. I get to reach out to people like yourself and try to spread the word because so many soldiers and veterans don't even know that we exist. Yeah. I didn't know this was a thing I didn't either. at all. Um, but our whole purpose is to help direct veterans through th through the maze of programs available so that they can get the benefits that they deserve and that they've worked hard for, whether it's state and local benefits, whether it's VA assistance um, for physical and mental health, if it's homelessness, if it's um, relocation assistance, education, life insurance, effects of a career change, if you need help with your um, writing a resume, getting a professional resume, things like that, um, employment assistance, you name it, we can legal, um, you guys do damn everything. Holy crap. You guys do a well, little bit of well, everything. Well, we don't, <laughs> we do. Um, we are not subject matter experts in everything, but if we, if you had a question and I answered it, then that counts as me helping you. Gotcha. Um, if I don't know the answer and you need help with a VA claim, then I can reach out to you and do a warm handoff saying, here, sure. this is exactly you what you need to do. This person can take you and then follow up with them. Like, hey, were they taking good care of you? Did you get what you needed? Which is, by the way, an awesome That's service awesome. for this <laughs> audience, because we get reached out to you and I have Chris more than even me all the time of people who have VA issues 
And oftentimes, I mean, I don't know what to say. And oftentimes Chris doesn't. Know and what I, to say. I don't, yeah, I, don't, so I don't know what to say. Half I think time like either. people are, yeah, people are going to be able to use this resource and be able to reach out to you. I think it's going to help a lot. So the website, once again, I'll have it in the description, but it's rctaapsa.com. And I remember you were saying, hopefully they, they, they'd be interested in like sponsoring the show. And I remember I said to you, I was like, well, it's not a charity organization because I, I wouldn't want to take money from like a yeah, charity yeah, organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. were saying it's a it's a government organization. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right. Oh, I'm shit, buy, yeah. I'm buying yeah, 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 government. government. So if they, me, if they, they do want to use funds to, yeah. to <laughs> advertise on the show and reach a military audience, I mean, we would definitely love to be a part of that. And I know, as you said, they'd be listening. So yeah, hopefully they can tell that we're helping out a veteran audience. And yeah, we'd, we'd love to partner with them at some point. Uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I'm pretty low on the totem pole. And I'm hoping <laughs> if I make them proud today that maybe, just maybe. <laughs> it would be cool. I mean, like I said to you, I was like, regardless, I think it's important to have this interview. I was like, if, if something comes of it, great. But either way, yeah. I think it's an important story for people to hear. And uh, the thing we should end on is you're going to be meeting Chris for the first time in a couple of weeks. I will. Right? Is, is that the Sioux? Is that the March Sioux Falls? Third. Yeah, yep. March. My birthday's March. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be traveling on my birthday. Which man, shit, that sounds like a broken record since when? 2004. I'll be gone for my birthday again. <laughs> uh, but but you know, I, I, I your your story and and honestly, I of perseverance and and. You know, I hope at some point, I know we did, we had an hour here, but you can even get into the down and dirty and 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 get into some of the grimy stuff because it does help. It really does help a veteran that is having a bad day. Um, and, I, you know, you'll see me when I talk. I'll probably break down at least once or twice. I always do. And I've been speaking now for seven, eight years. Yeah, about seven years. And, and I still actually it's harder now than it was then because it's it's wonderful to come off a stage or it's wonderful after like even the show or somebody's listened to this and they'll tell you, Hey, you, you helped me get through the day. And it sucks that you have to expose yourself. You don't want me to expose myself. I'm 50, <laughs> now, but you do really lay your soul out there. But if it helps somebody, then it's worth it. And, and, you know, your story will that again, cause I, I, I was telling Ian at the beginning and I, I, we always expect something to happen when we deploy. We don't expect anything to happen when we come home. We're home. We're safe. We're especially being in the Midwest. I still live in Kansas, so I'm still in the Midwest. Driving on those lonely roads out there, that's one of the best things about living in the Midwest is and you don't expect like this to happen. And then when it does, you have to regroup real quick. And, and it sounds like you did. So your story, just not what you're doing now, but your story, I think, can help a lot out there. And and you're amazing. And, and I think what you're doing, I'm going to hit you up when you get South Dakota, because I still need to get another 10% added onto my disability. So you need to <laughs> direct me to somebody in Kansas to fill out another claim from all my shit that I've injured. But um, that is a tremendous service in itself. But just your story, honestly, Casey, is, is I think you can help people immensely. And I hope you actually continue to tell it. And you're obviously very open and very, very bubbly, very friendly. And I think that resonates as well because you smile. And, and sometimes that's all it takes is that smile. And be like, holy shit, she had everything broken on her body and she still smiled. <laughs> you know what? Perspectives. My day is not so bad today and I can get through <laughs> it. So uh, awesome. And I, I, amazing. And I can't wait to meet you. And um, yeah, I, I would. One of these days I'd like to hear more. And if you ever want to actually 
talk about grimy stuff about that, I would love to hear it, you know, and I know our listeners would, but I know that would take another hour. So we probably would have to have you come on again to do that. I have some pretty great stories that <laughs> I'll just won't let my uh, boss have the link to the one with the good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. <laughs> we'll just we'll give them the right link, but you're amazing. You're awesome. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, of course, I'll give you a big hug when I see you here in, in about a month. It's about a month. What, what day? Yep. Three weeks. March third. So? Yeah, and hopefully okay. we'll we'll be blizzards. We'll have an actual. It'll start to turn springy. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Right, right now here it is. This does not feel like winter at all. This has been. Yeah, this definitely feels like spring. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that we did this. Any uh any other last things that you want to get out there for people who want to reach out, or if you do have any last stories, feel feel free to share them as we wrap. <laughs> yeah, this up. You, you got you got a few minutes. Let knock it out, or if you just want to tell people where to find your or anything or any. This is your soapbox. Any word of the day. Um. I'm on social media, Facebook. Um, you can look me up, Casey Kennedy, um, Nebraska. What, what is, oh, I was going to say, so wait, is it just at Casey Kennedy, Nebraska? Because I remember I asked oh. you this and you didn't give me any social media. Because Casey <laughs> Kennedy, there's got to be like a million. Because also Casey could be males too. So there's probably like a million Casey <laughs> Kennedys. Yeah, oh, that's you? funny that you say <laughs> that there could be males. Because I received this wonderful <laughs> award at... When we were getting ready to, when we were pre-moping in Fort Bliss, Texas, I got a an award for being awesome and myself. Like, what <laughs> uh, but they wrote on here for his yep. outstanding. And I'm like, really? Well, I know you could you could thank your public affairs office there at your at your four, is it four oh second say thanks PAO thanks for right. swearing me I away. appreciate this award like <laughs> I earned this award but apparently in the mail for in the mail for yeah you know, it's, it's I mean when I, I got your email and I saw Casey Kennedy I I wasn't sure if, if it was male or female because really but yeah what's so what is your social media because I don't have it um I well, really, I just have two different Facebook profiles, one um, personal one and one professional one. My professional one, I only have like three um, friends, maybe. <laughs> and this... we'll, we'll, add, we'll get it up there, but you got to tell us what, what, yeah, what, what is, is the link we'll, because we'll, people we'll will follow. We'll put it out there. Yeah. What is it? Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> If you send it to me, well, yeah, later I'll get it. Okay. What about what about Instagram and all that? What's um those ones right now? I'm primarily using or um or my personal ones. All right, so, so then yeah, for, yeah, yeah, I'll send you the links because that's so much easier. You ask me Whatever all this questions, yeah. I'm like, but I search my name. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's like this is the part of the show that as a. uh music fan if you know i listen to there's so many podcasts right and i chris knows I, i'm like such a nerd for different subjects and there's uh three sides of the coin is a kiss podcast and like at this part of the show is where they're like do your best gene simmons like self-promote yourself and usually you know people like go out and buy this this is me on instagram this is me on twitter and for you i mean like I, i'm just I mean, if you I search casey this. kenny i'm gonna find five million people oh yeah uh, like you are good there you go we could do <laughs> Holy shit, Casey. I just got on Facebook and searched Casey Kindy, and there's like 8 million. The first one that pops up is a professional male golfer. 
So yeah, we're gonna give us your give us that your would make sense because I said something to a coworker and he's like, I'm gonna assume you don't play golf, and I'm like, Oh wait, wait, no, I'm oh. sorry, it's it's the LP, it's the LPGA, it's a professional female golfer, so you are not the Casey Kennedy. Nope, that's not you. That's not you standing out there golfing. Yeah, you'll have to send um, us the link. But once again, I mean the only link that I have that that you gave me because I do always ask this stuff in advance was rctaapsa.com and and I, I guess i'll stall for time because you are on your phone and if you have uh, a link where people see. could go they'll i'm sure they'll want to check it out so um if they go to reserve component transition assist or rctaa on uh facebook or any social media facebook i have access to our facebook page so if they send a question i will likely be the one to respond to them me or one of the marketing people so that would probably be the easiest way but if they search for me um my one i'm wearing a wonderful purple polo that my company designed <laughs> <laughs> i'll look for the purple polo I'm, i said i'm trying to search all this stuff we'll, but we'll get it we definitely in case you definitely give it give it to ian because you know i and then i i can reshare it on my personal pages and and you know we have a few thousand followers on those so it helps get exposure i think this, this is important they, they need to um and they but don't be shocked if your inbox all of a sudden goes Blam because a lot of veterans because there are there are a lot of veterans that need help so yeah definitely give us all those links uh, and we'll get them up and post when we post the uh, post the interview it'd be great absolutely yeah. our primary focus is the reserve components but if you were active duty I will still help you regardless sure. if you were a reserve component they just don't count for my numbers no worries Absolutely. that's perfect well I know that you have a passion for helping people regardless so. <laughs> Yeah, whether you're a reservist, this is someone you can get in touch with. This is someone you could trust because she's been there and done that, as you can hear. So she's she is someone who could actually relate. We have so many guys who come on who say they go to the VA or they've gone to a hospital with their injuries. And they're like, I couldn't talk to these people because they couldn't relate to what I went through. You could definitely relate to someone who's been injured in or out of combat. So uh, the last things I'll say here. Are we just started that battle line podcast vault on Etsy? We just the first item we have on is the pin, which is the logo of the show on here. But we're gonna do other items as they come along. I've been I've been shipping them. I've you know my packages here. I won't show the other oh, side. Awesome. But, but every day I've been shipping more and more stuff. So I just want to basically gauge if you guys are interested in this type of thing, and then we'll do more stuff like uh John Jackson, who's been on with us before, good guy. he was saying, yeah, great John's guy. He was dude. like, yeah. he said he wants to see a challenge coin with one side your face, one side my face. I'm like, that's kind of cool. Maybe that'll be another item we'll do. But we yeah. could do like canvases signed by both of us. But this is like a small item. We're not looking to like make a ton of money on this. We're actually just looking to expand the podcast. Maybe if someone new come in and do thumbnails like Aaron Lott. And it's, and it's cool. I mean, it's yeah. cool, dude. Well, I love. I mean, that. I would buy a coin. <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah, I would. I would send you one. The, the The pins are really cool. They're smaller. I have them on my on my bag, but you can see it. It's just battlelinepodcast.etsy.com. We're calling it the Battleline Podcast Vault. And then next week, I'm going to have Chris is going to be out, so it's going to be a one on one, but exclusive with Richard Ostoff. Who, uh, speaking of veterans being screwed over, this is the veteran who allegedly. I have to say allegedly, but I trust Richard 100% because he's got the text messages and the receipts to verify everything uh, that George Santos, Congressman George Santos, when he was uh, 
under another name started this fake uh, animal charity and basically screwed this veteran out of $3,000 that he was supposed to get to help his dog. Uh, since then, the North Shore Animal League has given Richard another dog. But um, yeah, George Santos, the guy's like lied about absolutely everything. And, and every day there's more and more lies coming out. I mean, he recently said that he produced Spider-Man on Broadway. I mean, he's just had, <laughs> the, the amount of lies are ridiculous. And it's not in our wheelhouse. But when you screw over a veteran, that is in our wheelhouse. That is our wheelhouse yeah. And and yeah, Richard is a Navy veteran. So I'm looking forward to meeting him. That's going to be in studio and uh, that's all the announcements I have, unless there's anything else from you guys. I'm ready. I, Casey, I just want to say thank you again and look forward to seeing you. you in a few weeks. But thank you for coming on. Really appreciate your story. Thank you. And I appreciate you guys having me. This has uh, been a pleasure. Oh, it's, a, it's an honor. Again, I'll, and I'll catch you in a few weeks. Say, if anything, my car wreck got me to meet you. So uh, I'll take and, that. And, and it's, all right. <laughs> you, it's all right. You and when you get off, you can be disappointed. But yeah, keep when it's to my face. Yeah, make sure, make sure you say <laughs> nice things. No, I, I, and when you meet I, the guy in the movie is huge. I am I'm a little short Mexican. So <laughs> so don't be disappointed when you meet me as well, because I'm not the big guy in the movie by any means, even though he is a pretty cool dude. Pablo's cool. But um, no, I look forward to it. And um, if we can help you and help get, and we will, we can help you. Um, we look forward to doing that and getting getting the reserve component out there to help veterans, because there there there's still a ton out there that are lost and could use, use a lot of help and need a lot of help. So yeah, Absolutely. definitely. Appreciate you still being on the front lines. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battle Line Podcast and on Twitter at Battle Line Pod. To sign up for future Battle Line tactical courses, go to www.christantoparanto.net. Believe in yourself. Face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.